something unique to be able to stand up in, in this pulpit with a pastor who is so profound as Pastor Miranda is. There are very few people that can literally compare to the capacities of this man in this city, and I, and, and I mean that very, very sincerely. But Father, it really, at the end of the day, is not about a man. It's about you. It's how you interact with us. That's why we are here in this moment. In sincerity, we ask that you would open our spirits. That you would put your hands upon us, each and every person in this house. Each and every person who is watching online by video. Father, that you would take us and you would mold us and you would shape us, Lord, into the very instrument that you have designed for us to become. You're doing it. You have been doing it. You are continuing to do this. And Lord, we're in this process of becoming what you are making us to be, instruments for your service, tools for the upbuilding of your kingdom, people of purpose, understanding the value that you've imprinted into us from before the foundations of the earth. And you're breathing life on every day. You're pouring your spirit into us each and every moment that we avail ourselves of this. And, and, and even when we don't avail ourselves of it, Lord, you're still doing it. You cannot be stopped. And Lord, we're here today to say we don't want you to stop. We just want to come into agreement. We really want to be in one with you. You know, as we begin to unfold this message, I, I, I do pray that these very things that I've been praying about will take that deep root in our beings. The message title is simply Identity and Destiny. And I felt God was speaking to my heart about it when Charlotte and I were away on our kind of two-week break down in Marion, Massachusetts, on the south coast, in a little cottage, in a little cabin. And as we were there, I just felt God increasing and increasing in my own spirit that our message here today should be about, really, this understanding of the linkage 
There is a linkage between our identity and our destiny. There are ways of understanding this that are primarily individualistically, but it's more than just our individual identity. God sets people in relationships, and he sets people in families, and he has set us in a community. And sometimes one of the hard things for me is that people kind of come and go from different assignments and different communities, and, and even when it's fully all God that's doing it for his divine purposes, it still is hard on the heart a little bit when you see people come and you see people go. But we have to trust him. We really trust in him that he will accomplish his purposes. In fact, I, I don't know if I've shared this with you before publicly, but it was one of those things that made a great impact on my own life. I had pastored as a senior pastor for 14 years, and I just found watching people coming and going and coming and going, it, it, it tore me up because you got bonded and attached to people, and, and then for one reason or another, God would move them on. And, and, and uh, there's, there's two people that made very profound impacts in my life when I was a young pastor. And it, one of those was Jack Hayford, who I, I listened to his teaching tapes every week. There was a, he, he would send them out on a weekly basis, and I would get them, and I would listen to them. And I did it for years. And so there was a great formation process that was there. But there was another man, and his name was John Wimber. And I heard John Wimber make this statement about people's comings and goings. And he said, we're all coming and going from each other through all of life. And even in the most enduring relationship, the relationship of marriage, if even over a lifetime you come into it at some given point, and unless you were to die, say, in an accident together or something like that in a tragedy, somebody goes first. And so in every one of our relationships, we are coming and we are going. But understanding that set my soul somewhat at ease. But what it really spoke to my heart most about was to value everyone for the window of time that we are deeply connected, to really appreciate it, to really savor it, to really genuinely be grateful and, and have a, a posture of gratitude in our own souls. I look over here and I see Michelle. And, you know, and Michelle came into our lives and was a part of that church in, in Quincy that I pastored in, I don't know, maybe 86, 87, somewhere around that, that, that period of time. And, and then for many years, we were in different tracks and, 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 and moving about in different, in different ways. He's still aware of each other and still aware of the callings and the workings of God, but you know, gratefully, God has brought us back into this community, and she is joined, and we are apart, and once again, we are traveling on this track. I think of Tim. We first met Tim in the, 
in the 90s, and, 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 and there was some ups and downs through the process, and, and, and Tim got really grounded in the Lord, and, and then we came here, and, and it wasn't because we were here that he came here, but it, it's just a matter that, you know, paths move in, in this ebb and flow, and God works in it all, but the important thing is really just valuing who we're walking with, thanking God all the time. You know, I, I just want to give a little bit of a, it's, it's kind of a definition, maybe it's a, a compilation of a couple of dictionary definitions of, of identity. It says, identity is formed from the qualities, beliefs, personality, and expressions that make up our personhood. We have both a personal identity, but we also have this collective identity that we're talking about here in the last few moments. A collective identity that is this strange thing. I mean, I could not have ever imagined that I would be set in a primarily Hispanic community, and I am so ignorant of anything in the Spanish culture and the language, it's impossible for me. It's just not possible. I wish I had the gift like Pastor Miranda. I'm so jealous of so many of the gifts that he has, but, you know, God's designed him the way he is, but, I mean, he, he has mastery in these languages of Spanish and of English, but also of French and also Italian. You know, this is a, this is a, a, a wonderful thing, but we have these different gifts, but I never could have imagined that God would have brought me here. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't seem kind of normal, but God's, God's not always so normal. God does really unique things in how he, he fits and he moves and he draws together and he works in us. You know, in the past, people have tended to think of identity as some fixed mode of understanding and, and I... I I mean, clearly from the Word of God, the Bible talks about the transitions that happen as we are moving and changing. Let me say this. No matter where you are today, you are in transition. You are changing. You are becoming something. And, you know, we, we hear about in, in, uh, in, in this world today a great deal of emphasis in society about fluidity, and it's generally in reference to gender. But the culture has accepted this fact that, that, that there is transition and there's changing, but sometimes we in the church don't fully comprehend it and understand it. Perhaps you might think that 
well, I have a certain set of values, and they are conservative values or biblical values, and, 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 and this is where I am. But even within that, and don't get me wrong, I am not talking about changing fundamentals of the, of the biblical basis of Scripture and, and these kinds of things. I'm not talking about that. That must remain. In fact, God has said about his word that his word, he honors his word above his name. And the name of God was so honored in the Jewish tradition particularly that they wouldn't even write the two syllables together of Yahweh because they felt like it was so holy it couldn't even be said in one kind of verbal expression. And God's word is foundational to us. It is an anchorage to us. And we must have that anchorage. But where the change happens is, is how we believe it and receive it and stand in it and allow it to hold us when all of the world that we're living in is in this vacillation and in this change of mode. We are developing a spiritual identity. Who could argue about what happened last Sunday and seeing Danny Carrera standing in this pulpit and preaching to us? Who could argue that a man can change? He went from being a, a gang member sent to prison for attempted murder I mean, and, and we've had many others. There are so many examples. I think of Eric Torres, who, who was here as he was transitioning out of a 25-year sentence. And, and this was the, close to the halfway house that he was living in during that pivotal point of transition. And he has now moved out of that into a freed, paroled man living out in western Massachusetts where he's from. But there are so many, so many examples of how that God has worked to be able to change and to transform our, our individuality. But we, we know that we're in a life of movement. You think of the children of Israel, and they were moving all the time. It seemed like there was always one one transition after another, all down through their history. I want to ask a question. What makes the difference between an identity as defined by this world and one that is being formed by God? The difference is that we, as God's people, are gaining a sense of focus on what we're choosing to become in God instead of permitting the circumstances of life to beat us into a pummeled, fractured, diminished, meaningless, and by meaningless I mean less meaningful state of existence. We're going to look at some scriptures. We're going to begin with 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and I'm reading this from the King James Version of the Bible, which I kind of cut my teeth on and grew up with. And we, 
who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is a spirit. And some translations say we're being transformed from glory to glory. I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 51 through 57, and this is in the New International Version of the Bible. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself in the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Our human tendency is to define ourselves by external things, and we are all that way. I wish it weren't true, and it's becoming less true as we move on in God, but it is the reality. Starting from the time that we were children and on through this process of life, we, we, we tend to, we are tempted by, and, and, and we find ourselves giving sway to even though we know we shouldn't necessarily do it. Framing ourselves and our identity by external things. The world teaches us to define ourselves by superficial images of success. Our jobs, our careers, our financial status, our education, our appearance, what other people say about us, and about significant relationships and who who we feel are significant people and how they respond to us. We're bombarded with messages telling us to define ourselves by external measures within the culture. We become trapped in a vicious cycle of trying to measure up to superficial criteria that can never really develop or deliver a stable sense of identity. When we're getting our cues on who we are by the inputs of other things that are external to us, we can never, ever really be secure. We are always vacillating. There have always been fantastic personas throughout history. And what I mean by that is kind of the superheroes of Greek and Roman mythology and, and other cultural propositions that 
are, are there that you can look at. And, and today, it's really no different. Children grow up watching all kinds of personas being presented to them as being superheroes. And, and, and we're affected by it whether we want to believe it or not. I remember as a little boy, being about 10 or 11 years old, and putting on a towel hooked in around the back of my, my shirt and jumping off of a platform like Superman, you know? We, 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 we live with these things, we grow up with these things, and, and now they're developed even more. Look at, look at what happens in Hollywood. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different things that, that come out of Hollywood, but the blockbuster programming that comes out of, out of Hollywood are oftentimes these, these huge superhero kinds of figures. The problem with the superheroes and the super kinds of figures is that we try to be like them, pretend to be like them, wish we were like them, and can't be like them. So we're, we're always falling short of, of being a superhero. And, uh, and so there is this, again, this vacillation that takes place. But it's, it's endemic, and it's throughout all of society. And it does afflict and affect each and every one of us to some greater or some lesser degree. When we realize that we can't be like the superhero, we crash and burn or deflate it in our own state of being, feel like we can't measure up, give way to self-pity and pain, we hide out, not willing to face what truly is, rather than what we wish were. And you know what? The enemy uses that. You may say, well, I know I'm not a superhero, and that's just child stuff, and I've grown out of that, and, and et cetera, et cetera. I really would like you to ask yourself if that's completely true. Because my sense is that although we don't really think of ourselves in comparison to superheroic figures, we can often place people in our lives, in, in our minds, in our thinking as, as kind of superheroes, as larger than life, as, as greater accomplishers or, or magnificent human beings somehow. And then we can feel diminished. We can feel less than. You know what? God has designed every one of us uniquely. He's made you for a purpose, and no one else can fulfill that purpose. No one else is made the way that you are. You are designed in God for something that is so unique, so important, that no one can do your job. When you begin to get an understanding of that on a, on a deep inner level and let the creativity of God begin to stir in you that sense of contentment, 
Not complacency, but contentment with how he designed you. With how he has made you, shaped you, formed you, and is still in the process of doing it. Then, all of a sudden, your whole sense of being changes. If and when you feel like you are not able to live up to the heroic figure that you might have in your mind of, of being the person that you wish you would be or could be, when you let that go and allow God to really take you into the place that he has made you uniquely to be, then you can begin to fill that space in a godly way, in a holy way. Because God is going to use you in a powerful way. I mean, I, I, could, I could start calling names about people who have real significance in this community, who have blessed and touched our lives, who have ministered His grace. It just comes pouring through you. I see it. I experience it. It's powerful. And you know what? You are being called into a right stewarding of that. Not in some kind of inflationary way that would distort it, because it can get distorted either way. It can get distorted in grandiosity, and it can get distorted in depravity. But when you really understand who you are in God, you begin to settle into that. You begin to live your life out of that. You become mighty in God's hand. Mighty in God's hand. Our identity is who God has declared us to be and how God sees us. I'm going to look at a couple of other scriptures. And this scripture is taken from Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read. I, I, I wanted to cut it back. Pastor, I, I really did. I wanted to truncate it down into, into verses 9 through 11, but it's, it's like it was just... Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, it's just so important. Dear friends, my name is Paul. I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. May God himself, the heavenly father of the Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Oh, just get that for a moment. Would you just get that for a moment? May God himself, the heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us. 
love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts and in love. He chose us before he laid the foundations of the universe because of his great love. He ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes and with unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One. So that his tremendous love cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for the beloved Jesus. He has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure, for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that his tremendous love would cascade over us, would glorify his grace for the same love he has loved, has for the beloved Jesus. He has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasure of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins. All because of the cascading riches of his grace, this Superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. I love that. that. That the wisdom is not just godly, but there's practical understanding in this as well. And through the revelation of the Anointed One, He unveiled His secret desires to us. The hidden mysteries of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time and because of God's unfailing process. This detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the foundation of all, until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Here it is. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny. Think about it. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny. That we would fulfill the plan of God, who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. God is going to get done 
what he has purposed in his heart that he is going to accomplish through you. The beautiful thing about how God does this is it's not just singularly happening. It happens in our lives in that sense of our own identity in Christ, coming more and more to the fore, becoming more and more like him, becoming that personage of Jesus stamped into us. It, it happens that way on an individual level, but it's not just that. God is looking for a people. In this case, we have gathered together as a community of his people. God is manifesting his power through this people. You know, I've got a lot more in my notes, and I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure that it's right to, to go there. It would develop a whole other series of thoughts. I think it's enough to know that God is calling us to come to rest, to come to peace with how he has designed you, how he has designed me. It's not about position. It's not about recognition. It's simply about obedient engagement with how God has formed you and how God has made you. I believe that God is laying a groundwork for a move of His Spirit that I know I have been praying about for nearly 50 years. I do not believe that we can necessarily alter God, His plan, His timing. He knows it all from before time began. He breathed it into existence. And the older I get, the more I tend to lean towards divine providence. But I know that there's a part of it that we play. There's a piece of it that we own. It's our yes. It's our acts of repentance when we start to be discouraged about what we think is not going right in our lives. Or we might think that something else should be happening. God wants us just to be able to lock into Him and trust Him. I want you to stand with me. We're going to go into the close. According to this Ephesians chapter 1, Christ has given us a new identity. He is the source of our identity. We are blessed 
with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen. You, I, we have been chosen. The beautiful thing about understanding this is to recognize that out of all the people on the face of the earth, you have been chosen. God has made you aware that you have been chosen. That's something different. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have eternal life. God's love is for the whole world. But you have become uniquely aware of this fact that God has chosen you. You need to center yourself in it. You need to enter into it. You are chosen. You are redeemed. You are accepted by God. As you are right now, as you are, you're accepted by God. Yes, He's changing you, and you are becoming different. You are growing up and becoming in Him, who He has destined you to be. But along the way, God loves you. There is nothing you can do about it. You can't make Him stop loving you. So when the lie comes up into your mind thinking that God can't love me because I did something wrong, that's a lie. Confront it directly. You are forgiven. God has lavished His grace upon you. God has given each of us a destiny to fulfill. To be a part of His plan, we enter into that individual destiny, corporate destiny. Our new, our true identity leads us to fulfill our destiny. Father, we just thank you that we receive what you are calling us to be. Lord, whether we come from humble or very simple backgrounds, you're asking us to steward who we are, to honor you, because your word tells us so much, so many different illustrations about how you take the little things of this world to confound the mighty. How you delight to work through simple human beings. People who couldn't even believe that it was possible for them to be used like Gideon. God, we, we, we recognize how he argued with, with when you represented yourself, when you presented yourself as the angel of the Lord to him. He couldn't believe that you could use him, but you used him you're going to use us. You're going to use each and every one of us as we become who we're called to be. Father, we receive it without pretense. We walk into it. We clothe ourselves in your righteousness, even as we choose to clothe ourselves in humility so that you can receive the glory, you can receive the honor, you can receive the praise. You are wanting to work through your people and you're doing it today.
And all God's people said, amen. Amen.